You a Charlie's Theron guy? Um, I am not a super fan, that's for sure. But I would say that she's in the top half of female actor. Like, like if you line up every female yeah, actress, yeah, yeah, she like, would she would definitely be in the top half. I mean, I guess if you factor in like age and stuff, this is a conversation you want to be having. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> could, could you could you see yourself falling madly in love with her in less than thirty days? Um, no, and especially not um, in the character that she was portraying in this movie. That sounds fair. I uh, I'm not a Charlie's Theron guy, so this whole movie, I'm just like, oh, Keanu, no. <laughs> what are you doing here? So you you felt bad for the life choices of Keanu Reeves in this film? I just couldn't buy in. Couldn't you know, believe it. So I actually feel like. Both characters were pretty poorly casted in this film. I didn't buy Keanu Reeves as a type A advertising executive, like a, a guy out of what's the the ad show? Mad Men? Yeah, he did I did not buy him like a character out of Mad Men or a modern Mad Men, and I did not buy Charlize Theron as a very free-spirited hippie character in any way she just doesn't sell that to me at all we should probably mention what we're talking about welcome to bad <laughs> movies and beer i'm cooper and i'm nolan and uh today if you haven't figured it out we are discussing sweet november the uh <laughs> dramatic a, romance yeah is this a romantic comedy not no, even right it's it, just a romance movie it seems like a romantic comedy at first and we'll get into it in a second but like yeah i did not fully understand what this was uh, this was actually a request by um, one of our Instagram followers at Between Two Brews. Uh, this is a guy who lives in Toronto. Pretty cool, actually. He does. He's like a big coffee lover and also craft beer lover. So those are the two brews, and he kind of goes around and just like tries different things, posts pictures of and stuff. And he sent us a message saying that he wanted to find a movie that had the biggest difference between the critic ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience ratings. And apparently, audiences on Rotten Tomatoes fucking love this movie. Because you know who didn't? <laughs> Critics. <laughs> Critics panned the shit out of this thing? Oh, big time, yes. Um, that's a really cool idea. So thank you to Between Two Brews for that uh, request. I think that's uh, a fun thing for us to look at in the podcast. This will be our first romance? Definitely. I mean, unless you count Body of Evidence. Uh, that was not terribly romantic. Well, that maybe was. not for you. <laughs> Very erotic, though. So, yeah, um, it was funny. This kind of started to get erotic at times, but they definitely kept it PG. Very much so, yes. Uh, which I'm fine with, again, because, again, not a Charlie's Theron guy. So, <laughs> so you would have liked to see some more Keanu, right? <laughs> you would have liked at least side d I think. I, believe me, I saw more of Keanu than I'd like to in this movie because... Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll get to that later, too. Before we get into the movie, which uh, we're going to discuss in excruciating detail, the beer we are drinking today, we always drink a beer themed some way related to the movie that we're watching. And today, what do we have? For Sweet November, we've got a beer here called Home Sweet Home. It's a honey vanilla wheat beer. It's from Five Paddles Brewing Company in Whitby, Ontario. Um, so this is not my first Five Paddles beer. I've had some of their other beers before. They do a lot of different styles. So they do so many different kinds of beer. I think on their website it says they've brewed over 350 different beers. So oh, wow. they are constantly recreating different things. They say that sometimes they're doing traditional styles, but then also experimenting and pushing the boundaries. Yeah, I've actually had a couple of their beers as well. They do a coconut cream pie beer that like, I love coconut cream pie as opposed to Michael Caine 
uh, from a couple of weeks ago of you. Listen to our Blame It on Rio episode. Deeply disturbing. But coconut oh. cream pie, very tasty. And this beer, I don't know how they do it. It's like a lager. It's not like a stout. It's not a thick beer that you'd think would be like imbibed with all this flavor, but it tastes exactly like coconut cream pie. Oh. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. They do have some really good like stouts and stuff as well. It's a cool uh, collection of beers they brew, so I'm really excited to try this one. And why don't we uh, crack it open? Yeah, I'm down for sure. Uh, I'm really interested about that cream pie beer now, but I bet I'm never going to be able to find it. So as we mentioned, it's totally kind of strange. We open with, in my opinion, some very strong romantic comedy vibes. You've got this like playful music that's kind of like upbeat, and it leads into the unmistakable sounds of sexual pleasure. <laughs> it was kind of sexy noises, but really you hear more of Keanu Reeves than you do anything else. Yeah, now we don't see anything yet. In fact, the first thing we see is an alarm clock, which goes off once it hits 7 a.m. And you know what else goes off? Keanu Reeves. Right then, <laughs> like as soon as the alarm rings. And I was thinking now at this point, I'm like, is this like a regular alarm or is this his sex alarm? Is this like a Pavlov's dog thing? Like once the alarm rings, he can climax and that's it? <laughs> Yep, but he's got to be careful because if he sets the timer too short, only one of those two people are going to enjoy the session. Well, it seems like only one enjoyed it anyway, um, <laughs> because like the second he finishes, he jumps out of bed, and this gets really confusing. Uh, he starts saying like, good dog, big dog, and I was like, is he talking to his penis? He's talking to his penis, right? <laughs> this is supposed to be funny, I think. He hops off. The first thing he says is, that was good. Then he goes into this dog diatribe and he, yeah, he's like, top dog, big dog, bad dog. And he gets in the shower and he keeps saying this and you can tell that uh, his partner is not super pleased with the way their, their morning sex session went down. No, and it's Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. I know, uh, <laughs> for sure. Oh, a big fan of Gilmore Girls? Uh, yeah, she would be higher in this top half, for sure, than Charlize Theron for me. Oh, my we goodness. Were, so we you could fall in love with her in less than 30 days. Well, there's definitely a more likely chance, for sure. Okay, fair yes. enough. Uh, well, hopefully you do a better job than Keanu Reeves does. We find out quickly that she is very unhappy with their relationship. Because he's a workaholic and doesn't seem interested in making any kind of effort with her. Now, I got to say, I don't want to give Keanu a lot of credit for acting, but he's really putting off some strong douchebag vibes here. <laughs> he does. He does a good job of kind of ignoring her and focusing on his big dog, bad dog self. We kind of figure out very quickly he's trying to plan something for an advertising campaign. And that's why he's sort of got this dog phrase in his uh, in his mouth. It's interesting seeing his apartment. They're definitely setting it up as a very, like, cold, sterile place. And he has about 10 old tube televisions stacked on top of each other. Yeah, it's a really strange setup. Right in front of his treadmill. You can tell. I thought at first he was going to be uh, someone who sold stocks. Like, I thought he was going to be down that industry because of all of the TVs. But quickly, you can tell it's because he wants to watch all of the ads. He's trying to get inspiration here. Yeah, uh, Nelson Moss is his character's name, which is fucking whatever. The big client he's trying to land right now is some kind of hot dog company, which I guess is hence all the top dog, big dog. He's like percolating ideas here. All I know is he really, really wants the color of something in the ad to be blood red. He says it like 50 times, blood red, blood red. Now, while naked Lauren Graham couldn't pull him away from his 24-hour day work schedule, we find out that there's one thing that can, the DMV. He needs to renew his driver's license or they'll suspend it. And apparently this involves taking a written test. What is this process? Yeah, this was really funny. Um, this is foreign to us because we don't have to go through this process to um, maintain our license. 
But I guess where they are, I think in San Francisco, um, they have to write a driver's test, uh, like a written test to keep their renewal. So he heads in there, he gets into this sort of line, and this is where you know he's going to stumble across Charlie's there. And you know this is a, a, a movie where they're going to meet each other, and they are creating the most contrived place possible for this to happen. Whatever this test is, he's clearly not prepared for it. And the way they end up kind of like meeting is he has to ask Charlize Theron for help on one of the questions, which is just a major case of movie contrivance because A, there's like three people sitting way closer to him than she is. And B, when she first walks in the room, she's carrying a bag of groceries, which she spills like everywhere and generally kind of seems to be a mess. So why would he pick her? Like this is his best bet for passing this test. Yeah, it, it clearly is not a good choice, and you know that they have to do this for movie convenience. Well, let me ask this scatterbrain lady who spilled everything. It is kind of funny that she spilled her, like, big sausage at him, and he had to hand that back to her. So that was Top funny. dog, big dog. <laughs> so they, they get that going on. Well, he asks her for a question, and she responds back to him, and what happens? Yeah, unfortunately for her, she gets caught giving him this answer and is kicked out of the test. Uh, she won't be able to take the test again for 30 days, which is a problem because, as we find out in the next scene, she runs a dog grooming business out of her van, which she can no longer drive. Keanu Reeves heads outside after the test and finds her sitting on the hood of his Mercedes. What are the odds of all the cars? She's sitting on that one. And since it's her predicament is kind of his fault, he offers to pay her expenses for the month. This quest for redemption, is it coming from true remorse, or are you just scared my sitting on your car is going to cause a big dent? The dent, I guess. So again... The douchebag vibes. He's really producing this. <laughs> oh, I mean, she takes a guess that he, based on his appearance and the way that he was acting in the test, that he's the guy with the Mercedes. And I think they were probably less common at the time that they made this. I think that was a pretty easy guess. What's confusing to me as we go through this movie is why Charlize Theron is writing her driver's test again. This is a spoilerful podcast, and we're going to ruin this whole movie, but she doesn't have much time left, and there's no reason for her to be trying to get her license still. I, I have to disagree. She wants to live her life to the fullest, and that involves driving her car around. I don't know. So you think you'd waste that time of having to go to the DMV and go through that shit? I mean, it seems like a pretty short test. It's on, like, fucking half a piece of paper, so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, I am getting super American psycho vibes from Keanu Reeves, but just really poorly acted. He's, well, I think, I think he's, just, he's just so wooden. Yes. He doesn't seem human. I don't think he's a psychopath. I think that he just can't produce like human emotions <laughs> when acting. Well, I found that when he was playing like the goofy in love guy later, much more believable than the sort of type A super business person. I could not buy that character. Yeah, I would agree with that. Speaking of goofy, we get a look at his process for coming up with these ads, which involves him exercising in front of his 10 TVs, then unsuccessfully attempting to eat a hot dog. See the way he's like lipping this thing? He can't quite, like he won't bite it for some reason? He microwaves it without a plate. He just throws it in his microwave. Oh. Like just some savage. Nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> no lid on top of that, that hot dog at all. And then he stabs it with a fork. Definitely not the coolest hot dog cooking scene we've seen on the podcast. No, my God, no. That guy in The Exterminator who like rigged it up to his desk lamp. That was fucking incredible. Yeah, that was way better. So he's like kind of biting it, but not really biting it. And as he's trying to figure out how to eat a hot dog, what happens? Yeah, this creative master class gets interrupted by Charlize Theron. Sarah is her character's name. She decided to show up at his condo building and harass him into giving her a ride. Now, this is also where we meet the concierge Manny, who is speaking broken English in an accent that is definitely not how that actor speaks in real life. He's also writing in broken English, as at one point he holds up a sign that says, Want me, call police. <laughs> 
this set, I don't understand. This character is definitely in here as a comic relief portion, um, but it does seem a really cheaply written sort of part. Yeah, it's paper thin. I don't know why he had to have this accent. Why couldn't he just be a fucking guy who speaks regular English? Yeah, he, they didn't need to add that. They are, they do seem like they're making fun of immigrants. Like that's a, a way for them to get some laughs out of here. And I didn't enjoy that part either. Well, I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, after making a very public scene in front of some of his neighbors, he agrees to take her for a drive, but he's in for some surprises. Surprise number one, they're driving all the way to Oakland. Surprise number two, she throws on a wig and some sunglasses, pulls out a crowbar, and breaks into a building to steal a couple of dogs from like a lab or something. Yeah, it seems like she is, along with being a dog groomer, also an animal activist. So she has sort of convinced him to come along and help aid her in this process. So he is now a part of the animal activist fugitive lifestyle. Yeah, apparently they make a daring escape and we get a quick scene at a gas station where she immediately identifies everything wrong with him despite knowing him for about 45 minutes total. Seems kind of quick, but whatever. Uh, she then invites him up to her apartment for a cup of cocoa and says that if he agrees, she'll never ask him for another ride again. She also asks him to move in with her, which, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, this is uh, out of nowhere. She says that he is emotionally broken. And that he needs to sort of change the way he's living. And the way to do that is to spend the next month with her. The month of November, naturally. 30 days, no work allowed. And if he does, she'll fix all of his problems. He correctly identifies this as batshit crazy. But it sounds a little less crazy after he completely bombs the ad pitch the next day. This hot dog ad pitch that he has going on is... It's fucking insane. Yeah. I have written just so large in my notes. I think what the fuck takes up three quarters of this page. <laughs> yeah, man. It is basically they're turning hot dog ads instead of being sort of family friendly, which is what the hot dog company wanted into hot dog porn. Yeah, he's trying to market them as sexy danger food. He has all of these teen girls in bikinis clearly blowing hot dogs. <laughs> like that is the ad that he has and there's like fire around <laughs> them and then... He also has just at the end this man and woman like double ending a hot dog on either side of it. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a it's double a side. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> oh god, he's gone all the way with this. I'm surprised that they didn't have him using one as a. There should have been yeah. some. Oh these Jesus Christ! It's the old Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, so yeah, and, but you're you're. <laughs> You're glossing over the 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 way he actually pitches it. Like he's super aggressive and the stuff he's saying is insane. Here's a little taste for you. We're hot blooded. We need sex. We need a sinful, dangerous food. What is it? It's a hot dog. These are the demented ramblings of a madman. Yeah, he loses it here. Clearly they're building him up to be someone who has gotten a lot of recognition as being a really good ad person, but he's at the peak of his hubris here. He thinks everything he does is fucking golden and he's about to be told that they don't like it. Oh yeah, the client is understandably mortified, but rather than accept it and take the L, Keanu Reeves doubles down and tries to fight the guy, then tells his boss off and despite being two Cleos ahead of the game, his words, gets fired. After seeing this scene, I wish he had also gotten fired from acting. <laughs> There's a line here where he drops a, <laughs> that's hilarious. I know, God, and it's so bad. It fell so flat when he was trying to prove that he was the best and talk to his boss. I, I wanted to walk away from the screen. I was so mad at his acting at this point. The laugh didn't even sound real. 
No, no, it was awful. Um, what I'm happy about is hopefully we don't have to see that fucking American Psycho version of him much longer. Yeah, uh, I mean, luckily he's still got Lauren Graham to fall back on. Well, not so fast. He comes home to find her clearing out her stuff. So he gets drunk and smashes some shit, but suddenly a lifeline appears in the form of Manny, the culturally ambiguous concierge, who delivers him a package containing one of the adorable dogs that Sarah stole from the lab. And what does that dog have tied to its collar? A key to her place. So we head to her apartment next as Keanu Reeves interrupts some sort of crazy person Tybo to return the dog <laughs> and tell her to get lost. I'm serious. What the fuck is she doing? She's doing yeah. these like uncoordinated, like choppy yeah. kicks. It is the weirdest dancer exercise you will see. She's wearing just these huge ass kicker winter boots and some other strange outfit. They are trying to make her really quirky and it's just not working. I feel like Charlize Theron needs to play like a more intense or classier person i even think it comes across sometimes where she's trying to be kind of cute or kitschy and then you see the real Charlize theron pull through it just wasn't working for me she patches up his hand he cut it when he smashed a bunch of stuff and before you know it he's agreeing to live with her and trying to bang her on her old-timey couch there is an incredibly hilarious moment in this scene where he just stares deep into the mirror and says just for the night <laughs> it's interesting yeah Keanu Keanu gets undressed here pretty early she takes off his clothes and you're like is this actually gonna happen he's gonna stay here with her and you know it is because the movie has to move along but just for the night though just so for the night, he to him. Him for night he's got a lot of scars are those really Keanu scars oh, I didn't even notice those yeah he's got a huge scar all the way down his torso and several on his chest and I was wondering if that like it seemed like they wouldn't have just put makeup on for them I wonder if he got yeah. injured in a shoot or that was something where he's had some like surgery in the past i have that's a great question i don't know i didn't even notice that but like yeah they, they had nothing to do with his character they didn't mention it at all so i'm no. sure it's nothing to do with that yeah once they're into the action here she tells him to slow down and he flips out and storms off because he doesn't like being told what to do in the sack those are his words but she chases him into the rain and convinces him to come back these two have zero chemistry but despite all this, they end up having much more tender intercourse on a bed. So it's really, it's it's weird. I, it doesn't feel like she should be convincing him to come back here, but he's going to take another uh, dip into the well. He's going to take another shot at it. And you kind of <laughs> understand that. So <laughs> he gets pulled he back sure with is. his penis. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they spend some time in bed together that morning. Yeah, and the next day she catches him trying to work and tells him to knock it off. He needs to change everything about what he's been doing, starting with his clothes. Now, we don't have much time to dwell on this, though. As this is where we meet Chaz, Charlize Theron's downstairs neighbor. He and uh, Sarah are a little too close for Keanu's liking, so he throws another little kid tantrum and storms out. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He he cannot control himself here, and he's very jealous about someone who he just met at the DMV like two days before. Yeah, exactly. Either way, we quickly learn that the whole neighborhood is aware of her one-month deal and that there have been many, many other guys over many other months. Keanu doesn't like this either, but she once again talks him down. And at this point, I'm just wondering, like, how many times are we going to go through this exact series of events in this movie? He's going to get mad. She's going to talk him down. He's going to get mad. Talk him down. Fuck, dude. Like, enough already. <laughs> A few more times uh, is the answer. Um, I know this part. This part's difficult. I'm not enjoying myself so far. Uh, we also get introduced to a little kid in the neighborhood here. Oh, Abner. <laughs> Lil Abner. He's got his uh, toque down over his face, so you can't really see who it is. It reminds me of the person from uh, Fat Albert. Except this kid's white. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not the right connection, but yeah. I always think of that character when you see someone with uh, a toque over their face and holes uh, in there. 
So he's meeting the neighborhood. We cut to a series of scenes of their day together, one of which is set to the music of Bare Naked Ladies. Great to see BNL make an appearance on this soundtrack. <laughs> That's where she's running around on the beach yeah. with dogs doing cartwheels. Definitely. Yes, I definitely noted the the BNL there. It was nice. It's at this point that I'm like, she's fucking dying. This is where you piece it together. This is where I'm okay. like, she is fucking dying. The only reason that this person is sort of living in this way is because she's trying to live out the best of her life. This is where, to me, I was like, she's dying. How does Kano not know yet? I'm angry at everyone. Okay, so that's funny to me because you are pointing out that she's trying to live her best life because you literally use the phrase, the only reason she's living this way is because she knows her time's running out. But isn't all of our time running out? Why aren't we all living this way? <laughs> that's what you're espousing why, right why am I? Why aren't we all living this way? Um, why aren't we doing cartwheels on the beach? I, I don't know. I guess because <laughs> we have a different level of uh, enjoyment. We're, we're doing this podcast instead of like... This is us. Oh, this my is, God. This is us. <laughs> okay. This is what we got yeah. I guess I don't Fair know. enough. Yeah. Anyway, they're having fun, but he's only agreed to commit to one day with her. Later that night after dinner, she correctly predicts what's going to happen when he goes home. He'll get bored and come back, which he does because of the primitive early 2000s internet. I love scenes <laughs> like this, man. When we get scenes uh, of people using the internet and it's like fucking, even like this is 20 years ago, but my God, it's just a world of difference. So I wrote this down in my notes too. It's a straight up AOL pop-up on, yeah, on his internet. Uh, he's trying to connect with AOL. It goes so poorly. I thought they were going to show him try to watch porn. And it was going to be that porn where the picture pops up but loads slowly. Yeah, it's and you a get, picture and yeah. you got a little bit of the time, like 15%, 50%, yeah. You're excited when you get the nipple and then it's a little exciting when you get a little lower. It's, yeah, it's building. Yeah, but you're tension. always kind of scared that when it gets too low, it's going to know that she's a penis. <laughs> Remember that old fucking trick? Your friend would be like, hey, great pick. And you'd be like, yeah, and as it loads, the last thing is a giant <laughs> Those were the days. Oh, good old internet. It's funny how watching movies, even that are not that far back, age so poorly when it comes to technology. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. It, it is a really strange thing how none of that holds up. I wanted to bring up another part of a scene that happened just before that. They play this game where it's hide and seek. But Oh, the blindfold. Keanu yeah. Reeves has to be blindfolded. She ties a scarf around his face that is a knit scarf that clearly has holes he could see through. Did and she he, go around once or twice, though? I feel like it's... No. No, he could definitely see through this, and he's stumbling around, falling all over this apartment like an absolute fool. I found that really frustrating because that scarf's going to come back. It becomes kind of thematic throughout this story. It, it really does. So, yeah, he's back. It's exactly what you said was going to happen, but he isn't quite all the way in yet. As the next day, while watching a child's remote control boat race... He takes a call from his work partner, Vince, who has gotten him an interview with a big-time ad agency. This boat race scene is supposed to show him becoming a nicer guy as he cheats to help that kid Abner beat the other kids and their vastly superior boats. But Sarah isn't down with this, as she thinks that Abner is going to have a tough life and needs to know how to handle it. And as the kid's new father figure, Keanu should know better. She's calling this kid's father figure. Are we like day three of this whole November thing? This is escalating so quickly. Yeah, all of it is happening really, really fast. I'm, I'm questioning right now why he keeps going back to her. And the only thing I can think of is that the sex must be crazy good. Right, like one, the one in Dino is like so amazing. Yeah, like why does he keep coming back? Why there? That has to be part of the equation. I feel him, like right? your sex theory doesn't work though, because it wasn't the sex he wanted. He wanted it a certain way, and she made him like slow down and be tender. Or did he just learn in that moment, like, oh my god, this is actually really good? Well, so that's romantic. it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Eye contact. Ooh, this was the first time he has experienced a woman telling him how she wants it, and it maybe it worked out for him too. I mean, I guess so because he's there. We after after the scenes with Abner, we start getting these sort of 
dinners. And this is yeah. the first of several dinners that they're going to have together. And I'm actually kind of into them. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is where it starts turning for me. I have hated everything about this movie yeah. up to this point. And they start having these heart-to-heart tender dinners. And I start <laughs> connecting to the two of them. And I'm like, oh what's happening God. to me? So, actually, this dinner scene in particular is very noteworthy in the movie because this is the one where she convinces him to tell her his secret dream because everyone has one. It turns out that his, for a brief period, was that he wanted to be a singer. She asked him to sing for her, and he says, That will never happen. (laughs) And this is where I'm like, oh, fuck. Is he going to sing at the end of this? Please, no. (laughs) Oh, Dude. Yeah, you know it's coming. You know (laughs) when someone makes a proclamation like that, especially in a movie like this, that there's going to be singing, and I'm excited to see Keanu belted out. I was the opposite. I was not excited. But is Keanu in some rock bands? Uh, I think he was in one. Yeah, or might still be. I don't know. Yeah, I think Keanu plays in a few bands. I don't think he's a singer. I think he plays guitar. If I'm right or wrong, I don't know. Someone correct us on social media, please. But uh, I'm excited to see how this goes down, dude. I was just dreading it, and you're right. You know what's going to happen, and I was still not prepared for it when it happens. The next day, we see Keanu's work partner, Vince, on his way to a movie date with the girl who desperately wants a cappuccino. I don't remember her name, but that's okay because he doesn't either. Uh, he pulls off to get her one, and you'll never guess who's eating in the cafe he stops at. It's Keanu Reeves and Sarah. This scene feels like padding to me. Like, Vince shows up, he's incredibly douchey, and he leaves. Do you see any point to this scene at all? Um, the only point, I guess, is to start showing a transition um, in Keanu's or his character's life. Right. Nelson is moving away from that land of driving Porsches and not caring about women into one where he is developing feelings for Sarah rather quickly. And Abner's even there eating some ice cream with them. He's, he's even being a father figure here, too. Well, of course. Now, after their meal, Sarah convinces Keanu Reeves to go visit his childhood home, which they are able to just walk into. Is it like condemned or being sold or how the fuck did he get in this house? He says that he owns it. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so it's still his house. He was just afraid to go back to it. He hasn't been to his house since he was a little kid. And part of the conversations they've been having at those dinners was him telling her about his dad and them growing up kind of poor and him being ashamed in their neighborhood. So he never really wanted to go back there, but he still owned it after his family died. Okay, well, they go back there and they have a terrible slow dance in the living room, which leads us to a brief montage of them falling in love which ends with them in a bathtub and Chaz walking in, having a conversation, and Nelson getting all territorial again. But as we see in the next scene, I'm guessing he doesn't have too much to worry about. <laughs> I'm growing to enjoy this Chaz character. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Um, I was trying to connect for a very long time who the actor was. And and the thing that finally convinced me or kind of got me was in the next scene when he had some longer hair. Well, yeah, it's, he's, we find out uh, he's... Uh, enjoys. I don't know, can you call him a drag queen? I don't even know. Yeah, he's yeah. he enjoys cross dressing. Yeah, we fi- yeah dressing up as a woman. Um, and seeing him in that wig reminded me that he was uh, a great character in the Harry Potter films. He was the uh, he was an amazing evil douchebag in those films. He was Lucius Malfoy, one of the most evil Harry Potter characters. So. Oh yeah, okay. And he plays it super well, and he does a really good job with this Chaz character too. Um, and I really enjoy, especially after he comes out, um, sort of as a cross dresser. I really enjoy the sort of flair that he puts into the role. It turns out that Chaz isn't just your ordinary downstairs neighbor slash drag queen. He's also the Chaz Watley from a certain big ad firm that got the big hot dog account. (laughs) So Keanu maybe does have something to be worried about. He seemed uncomfortable enough already, but now he's downright standoffish. Luckily, kind of, 
A mysterious phone call breaks up the tension by creating more tension when Sarah finds out that her sister has been talking to Chaz behind her back. So we've got the first kind of indication of some family drama. Yeah, we for the very first time, we see the Sarah character start to crack. And if you hadn't figured out something was wrong before, this is where um, they really start to pour it on. She starts getting headaches and we start seeing her consume a whole lot of pills soon. Yeah, so something else is definitely going on here, but Keanu's willing to let it slide for now because he's got bigger things on his mind, namely the big meeting. Turns out the guy they're meeting with is legendary star of stage and screen Frank Langella, (laughs) and he is old school. He wants a couple of ad men without families or any other personal responsibilities that would stop them from working round the clock to make him money. Keanu is on board until Frank Langella takes a shit all over the waitress who like spilled water on their table or something. At which point, Keanu reveals how much he's changed by telling him to fuck off. And I'm like, it's been 13 days. This is crazy. What is in Charlize Theron's vagina that has got him (laughs) fucking so twisted around like this? Sarah Deaver works her magic fast. He must be madly in love, or you're right, the sex must be just the best ever because he gives up... Well, that was your theory, not my theory. (laughs) No, you're right on board. I hear this. He gives up the biggest contract that has ever been offered to him, and boy, is his, like, hang-on buddy angry. Oh, yeah, he gets all cry-angry at him, but Keanu blows him off and goes to tell Charlie's there on the good news in overly melodramatic fashion with Enya music and an escalating <laughs> series of flowers. He starts with like one, there's like three, there's a whole bouquet. She assumes he got the job and asks him when he starts, and he replies, We had a little problem agreeing on that. He suggested immediately. I suggested never. I wonder if whoever wrote this thinks they did a good job. Oh, they, these screenwriters are like, we did, we did it. That's that we. Did, that we would it. have been the line that they felt like they nailed. That's yeah. the line they were giving themselves high fives. That's and, the high five. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely the line in this movie that they thought that Fuck, they crushed man. it. It was pretty bad with the Enya playing in the background and all of those flowers coming out. And then we get some more implied sex. Yeah. Not showing enough lovemaking for me in this film. There's just not (laughs) enough out there for me right now. Um, I'm not buying that this sex is so good if you're showing none of it. Our theory's at the window then. We don't know what the lure is. We we can assume that's the problem is they're, they're leaving it up to our imagination. And we know that that can go anywhere. However, to be fair... We always complain when things make things overly obvious and explain it to us. So we can't really, we can't really be on well, both sides. We can't of that be too. Okay. No. All right. Uh, it's almost Thanksgiving month of November, obviously. And Keanu takes it as an opportunity to pry a bit into the whole family thing, but she won't give up any details. But then he almost ends up with a family of his own when that kid Abner asks him to adopt him. I guess there's some sort of father Sunday thing happening at school. Keanu is charmed by all of this and seems to be falling in love with not just Sarah, but the entire neighborhood. He's so taken by all of this that he runs inside to ask her to marry him. What the fuck? There's a scene of him standing in the San Francisco neighborhood. And again, it's it's really nice. It's kind of like a very traditional, friendly community. It's quaint. Yeah. yeah and what, what I'm feeling is he's realizing that it's that community that was missing from his previous lifestyle. That's his home sweet home. Yeah. There we go. Nice connection to our beer here, which I'm enjoying. But yeah, he has really fallen for this idea of being a part of this community and he wants to make it permanent. So you're right. He asks her to marry him and I'm like, how long have they known each other now? Thanksgiving is usually like the 24th, 25th, 26th. They've known each other 20 days or something Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bad timing though, as there appears to be something seriously wrong with Sarah now, we can't ignore it anymore. We see her wailing in pain and looking really sick. 
Plus, she's got a secret locked cabinet of something that she's not telling him about. And although he makes a couple of grand romantic gestures by throwing his cell phone and watch into the sink full of water, she tells him that she just can't marry him. And this is where we get the big reveal. And oh my God, is it dramatic. Yeah, I'm angry before it happens because he hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. Like, we're probably 45 minutes past where it's clear to the audience. Right. And, and I find it frustrating when a movie reveals it to the audience, like you figure it out pretty early and then the characters have no idea for so long. I mean, to be fair, Keanu seems kind of dumb. So, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this, this is the more believable part of his acting role, right? Where he is this goofball who's kind of fallen in love and doesn't know what's happening. This is where I'm kind of like, oh, Keanu's actually doing OK here. Well, he busts into that fucking secret cabinet and finds just like all the pills, all the pills in the world, just like shelves maxed out with pills. She like kind of pushes him out of the way and like falls back against it dramatically with her arms up in the air. And this whole thing, it's like a fucking soap opera. I'm like, what is this? Maybe this is the wrong spot, but does he then like have to take her to the hospital almost immediately after this dramatic spot? Oh, yeah, because she's like down on the ground, like vomiting and then like whatever. So he's rushed her to the hospital where he gets filled in on kind of all the details by Chaz. They go for like a beer and Chaz explains everything. All of this, the 30 days, the rules, even her abnormal life. This is all her way of trying to maintain some control as her body gives out on her. Unsurprisingly, the first thing she asks Keanu to do when she regains consciousness is get her the hell out of there, which he does, carrying her out of the hospital bodyguard style. Yeah, good for him. Carries her out of there. He is not scared away by this new cancer um, sort of diagnosis, though, right? He still wants to be with her, but does she want him there? No, she's really sick and basically sends him away so we won't have to see what happens next. He's really hurting with all this, but he still agrees to go to Father Sunday with Lil Abner, who's all dressed up. He's got a little tie on. <laughs> it was cute. He's laughing at like yeah. poor kids now. Yeah, no, this um, kid was really cute. He he actually stands up at the front of the Father Sunday event and, and says how Keanu's character makes him feel, right? Says he knows that there's someone there for him. Uh, even though he's not his real dad, he's someone that makes him feel confident and makes him feel included. And so that's, it's pretty cute. We're, we're getting to... The part in the movie where they're really trying to pull at your heartstrings, right? They've got the Abner character. They've got um, Sarah, who's quite sick. And they've got Keanu, who's in love with all of this. They're dialing up the drama for sure. Now, this touching scene ends with Keanu saying goodbye to Abner, maybe forever. And then what I have to assume is your favorite part of the movie, the Anya montage. (laughs) I wrote it down. I wrote down Anya montage in here. And um, I really liked it. Um, I also felt like I was getting a little emotional by the end of it. Oh, my God. Come yeah. on, man. Are you no, serious? No, seriously. I wrote Jesus it in there. Christ. I was like, I understand how there are people who really enjoyed this movie. I understand how there are people who got sucked in. It is a fucking terrible movie. Uh-huh. But I can see how they effectively connected with certain viewers and I'm guessing that most of those viewers were female. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I'm very curious to hear now how your ratings shake out because you're coming in a lot more positive on this than I am. I think they played this song at my grandpa's funeral. So I maybe it was tough for me to get through it for that reason. So that montage had different meaning for you than it did for me. Yeah, I was just like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you, Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, meanwhile, back at the apartment, Charlie Starrod admits to Chaz that unlike the other guys who fell in love and wanted to marry her after less than a month, this time she actually wanted to say yes. He tries to sell her on the idea of just doing it, but she refuses. She doesn't even invite Keanu to Thanksgiving dinner, so he crashes it by climbing through a window and with a Santa hat on and wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. <laughs> this, scene is, this scene's pretty fucked. Um, him coming through, and then I guess Chaz and him had planned this ahead of time in some way because Chaz knew it was coming. 
He says, what took you so long? Um, and maybe that was a reference to just coming back. Yeah, I think, I think so. that more than that event itself. But they all kind of piece. There's this full table of Thanksgiving dinner, and they all walk away and go get Chinese food, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, if Chaz knew that he was coming and still had Charlie staring at that food, that's kind of a shitty thing to do. Yeah, that's whatever. fair. I don't think he did. They but then give it to people in the neighborhood, I guess. But then we got Santa with the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, he brought his giant sack with him. <laughs> is that just a, a sack can, joke? Yeah, that's what he got. It contains twelve gifts of wildly varying quality. One of them is a fucking dishwasher. How the hell did he drag that all the way up to like your second story window? Come I mean, on. to be fair, it was a compact dishwasher, and they're not particularly heavy. Um, right. I've I've lifted one of those bad boys before. Um, I see. I see where we're at here. You're just defending this movie now because you're in love with this movie. You yeah. fall in love. The Enya montage has got you all in, and now it, you're just it, defending. It's this pulled bullshit. me in. He's pulling out some gifts. I love that one of them is music to swoon by. Yes, that's that, fair. I thought that was funny. And then he buys her dance lessons because of their horrible dance earlier in the in the movie. Listen, to you, you're all in on this. I can't believe it. You're like all like, like your eyes are like sparkling as you're talking about this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, the last gift. Speaking of music, is exactly what I feared. We get an Irish shot, like Porky Pig style. Which transitions us to like a jazz bar where Keanu croons the classics. And all I can say is he sings like he acts. Not well. <laughs> uh, that's funny. He is not good. You're right. Um, he's very quiet. He's not projecting his voice in any way. But he keeps it respectable, I would say. Like, it, it, I thought it was going to be absolutely awful. He's got sort of like this uh, old kind of jazz band with him and he, he definitely he throws out like a crooner classic um in a very mild and like palatable but not exciting way the white james bond dinner jacket helps i think with the performance it kind of makes it seem a little more legitimate because yeah. he kind of looks the part it's got the old-timey microphone yeah right? the traditional old style mic yeah. and you kind of it's there um after that though they they go home to celebrate yeah it seems like this all worked they end up back at her place having sex but during the sex it's painfully obvious this was a temporary reprieve and sure enough early the next morning she leaves telling him to get his stuff together and get out he chases her out onto the street it takes him a really long time to catch her for some reason like she's like almost dead and he still like takes her like five minutes to catch up with him whatever she's she's suffering at this point it even looked like during their sex that she was in pain like physically in pain they it is not a scene that looks like enjoyable maybe he's just going extra deep <laughs> no good i don't know i mean she is dying and they're having sex and she looks in pain i don't think it's depth of penis okay i mean maybe <laughs> i'm selling piano short yeah. maybe i'm selling literally yeah, you're selling yeah, him short. Yeah, exactly, but. <laughs> uh we shouldn't be laughing this is the worst part of the movie oh god they were terrible yeah. people when he finally catches her, she tells him that the reason she wants him to leave is that she'll always remember their month together and therefore her as perfect. If I know that I'm remembered that way, then I can face anything. Anything. God, Nelson, you're my immortality. And just to put the button on this scene, she uses her scarf to blindfold him again one last time. And again, they have zero chemistry. But to be fair, I don't think it's possible for Keanu to have chemistry with anyone. <laughs> I'm serious. Dude is like some kind of alien. He doesn't seem like a human being. <laughs> I was really angry at this scene. I didn't like it at all. After the connection that they had made and the things that had happened, it pissed me off so much that what she wanted was for him to remember her as, as that perfect month. And that she used that blindfold, which he could see through, to to cover his <laughs> eyes. So I'm on so fixated on it. It makes me angry. To to cover his eyes and then walk away so that he would never see her again. The start of this movie sucked so hard. Like the first 45 minutes. It sucked me in for like half an hour. And then I'm so angry at the ending. 
But that's what she wants. She's the one dying. If that's her, why am I defending this? Why are you forcing me to defend this? <laughs> that's her dying wish. Yeah. What she's not gonna, she's gonna be selfish and be like, no, I want more time with you. Like, you know, give I the lady what she wants. I guess, I don't know. I just, I really didn't buy it. I also love that when he takes off the blindfold and she's gone. He his, smells it. His, well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of funny. But it's his, more moving than I'm making it sound, but his yes. His eyes are watery, but clearly artificially watery. <laughs> there is no way that Cano could have produced tears, right? So they fill his eyes with whatever liquid they can, but it doesn't even run down his face. It's just no. one of those like welling in your eyes effects. But yeah. yeah, I was upset. I can tell. And that's where she leaves him, standing there on that bridge. He reaches out one last time for her, but she's gone. And that's pretty much it. After a short scene of Keanu walking around as the sun rises over the city, we get the credits and we're out. So that's the end. And I am just dreading hearing what your rating for this movie is because based on our conversation, I feel like you have been just like sucked in so completely to this. We're going to rate it, I guess. I'm not done yet. I'm not I'm not finished with this movie. Oh, my God. Do we need more people like Sarah Deaver who can fix the broken in our society and leave them to go lead their better lives? I mean, that's what he's going to be doing. He'll be, Apparently, she's a whole fleet of dudes out there just going around as better people. It was hard for me to tell how many dudes there'd been. They only really talked about three months. They talked about October and him leaving early, and then they talked about September. I didn't know if there were much more before there. You know what, though? With the casual way they refer to them, like, that makes me feel like it's been going on for a while. Because I, it'd be one thing that like, the, it was like the first guy, the second guy, but the fact that they're like, oh, you're, you're November, September, October, like it makes it like, like everyone in the neighborhood is used to this idea. I guess, but she'd only stopped treatment for about a year. She had tried to fight her cancer and gone through all of that process. But when it didn't work, that's when she sort of decided on this lifestyle. So, Well, no, hang on. That's when she decided to, well, maybe. Do we know that for a fact, though? Or was yeah, it just that, like, that she, was part of that bar conversation. Okay. So my interpretation is that at maximum, there could be 12 months of these these dudes, I guess. So just 12 lovers. That's still 12 people who were changed. I mean, that's the same number of people as the woman from Blame It on Rio had in 12 days. So it's a soccer team. She's got a soccer team of... Uh, in a year, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do we need more people like this? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I can't answer that question. I don't want to think about this anymore. I've had, I, <laughs> I've been finished this movie for about right. an hour and a half. Uh, so we're going to rate it. We always do this the same way. One to 10 for how bad it is. One to 10 for how enjoyable. The goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales, as we call it the Crit 20. And for me, I will tell you right now, it is not going to be in play because although I did find this movie terrible, what I thought and what you have proved to me is for the kind of person who is looking for a certain kind of tear jerky romance, they've checked a lot of boxes here. So as much as I am not that person, well, in most cases, I recognize that for a certain audience, this would play pretty well. I think the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes proves that. So I have this as an eight out of 10. It's bad in the sense that the acting is bad and some of the choices are bad, and neither character is particularly likable, but I still think it accomplishes a lot, so I have it as an eight. That's uh, that's not that bad, right? If we're looking at how the critics talked about this movie on the Rotten Tomatoes, like you would assume this would have been a 10 bad. This movie is bad. The, the writing is bad. The performances are bad. I really dislike how contrived the month uh, thing feels. Um, and I also really dislike the choice they made at the end for him to just walk away and her to be good with that, too. <laughs> Not a fan of that. But, you wanted them to end up together. But, you romantic. But it wasn't a 10 bad. I felt like it was well edited. I really liked the music, the way that it played into there, that the Enya and some of the other <laughs> songs that they pulled in there. That montage uh, didn't hurt me either, I guess, as we go through. And I did buy their characters through the sort of falling oh, in love. And come on, like, man. Point. 
I, I didn't buy them most of the time, but I, I had it as a seven bad. So not too far from you, but a little okay. bit less bad. Well, I figured it'd be less. Yeah. yeah. But how enjoyable though? I'm almost scared to ask. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because it's hard to, I always talk about how enjoyable is more difficult than the bad rating. You and do. You always, always talk do. About I that. always do. And it's usually enjoyable for me is how much I get to laugh at how bad the movie is. Yep. And that's not what this was. I didn't spend a lot of time laughing at how how poor this was. There were times where that did happen. But the reason why I kind of enjoyed this is it did suck me in for a portion of the movie. <laughs> oh my God. I know. So <laughs> as it turns out, I'm not opposed to watching romance movies or romantic dramas, as as we put them. It's even ones with the worst possible choices for cast. So I think right. it's pretty funny. But how does the worst possible choices factor into your enjoyment? Uh, it, it takes away from it, for sure. Okay. Uh, the ending took away from it as well. Um, I didn't like that. Um, I actually, I had it as a seven in joy. Wow, man. Yeah, so that's pretty high. That's not low. Um, yeah. It definitely sucked me in. I was never looking at the time. I was never sort of focused on how I was going to get out of here. But it, it wasn't a good movie, and it wasn't something that blew me away. All right, well, um, you touched on a couple of things there that relate to how much I enjoyed it. It, didn't, it did not suck me in at all, for the record. Yeah. I was, like, struggling through the whole thing. I definitely didn't laugh either, like, at any point. Yeah. I cringed a lot. There were a lot of cringes. <laughs> I found this just very unenjoyable. And I'm not against, there are a couple of like romantic movies that I like love and will like watch and get totally into. This just was not one of them because of the terrible, terrible performance by Keanu Reeves as well. Like Throne didn't do anything for me. I have this as a two for enjoyability. Holy shit, you are heartless. Dude, the only, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the only thing that was enjoyable about this for me was like, marveling at how bad Keanu Reeves was. There were scenes where I'm just like, how does this guy have a fucking career? Like, I couldn't believe it. And so, like... <laughs> He's was, definitely vying for that prime spot on the B&B Mount Rushmore. The uh, the hot dog pitch scene was so insane that that, like, definitely <laughs> gave it some enjoyability points for me. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it was absolutely insane. It yeah. was bad shit, which uh, I, I was laughing at that one. That was one of the scenes where <laughs> That's I, fair. I laughed. because I was, was cringing. So I was cringing. Out of control. How about this beer? With the beer. Yeah. Uh, so, Home Sweet Home. There was no Sweet November set in the movie, but we got to drink this Home Sweet Home. And well, he I, finds a new home with Charlize Theron. It's, it's oh, no, no. Sweet, I think yeah. it's a perfect connection. Okay, I, just, I just meant they didn't say the title. No. Strikes two and yeah. three right there. <laughs> How did you feel about the beer, though? I liked it. It's definitely honey forward. Like, mm. that is a sweet beer. But, uh, no, very easy to drink and uh, good honey taste. It actually doesn't so much remind me of other wheat beers I've had. Is there like a reason for that or? No, it's interesting. I don't know the style of wheat beer they've made here, but it doesn't have a strong wheat aftertaste, which can often happen when you drink wheat beers. Maybe it's kind of the American style that tends to be a little bit more oaty and less um, sort of bitter at the end. Could it be the vanilla too or no? Maybe the vanilla cuts it. I actually found like because vanilla was in the description, I was expecting a lot more of that flavor yeah. than I got. It, it's definitely honey and wheat over the vanilla, but maybe I don't mind that. I'm not a huge vanilla guy, so I was okay with that. Oh, okay. I, I love vanilla. So okay. so yeah. I was I was looking for it. It was one of those. But I enjoyed it. I would definitely drink it again and I, I'd love to try some more beers uh, from Five Paddles Brewing Company. Well, they got plenty of good stuff to try, so check them out if you were ever in the Whitby, greater Toronto area. Yeah. They're, of course, the GTA. They're all over, yeah. And you can order their stuff online if you're on Ontario, and they'll ship it to you anywhere. Yeah, so worth checking out for sure. And that'll do it for Sweet November. Thank God. Thank you to uh, Between Two Brews for the recommendation. Hope you uh, enjoyed that one. And you know what? Check out Between Two Brews on Instagram, because if you like craft beer or like good coffee in the city of Toronto, again, pictures, you can like find places to go to, so worth checking out for sure. Also worth checking out next week, 
we are going to be getting as far away from this as possible, this sweet kind of romance. We're going to be watching a Bruce Lee movie next week. Oh, yes. The last ever movie featuring Bruce Lee before he passed away. Game of Death. I'm excited. I was a huge martial arts kung fu movie fan growing up. Uh, I have definitely seen Game of Death more than once. So this is not like many of the movies we watch on our podcast where it's new to me. This will be one that we're coming back to. And I'm wondering, hopefully I don't have sort of rose-colored glasses. Hopefully I can uh, be objective on this one. Well, I think what will help is the fact that Bruce Lee is in the movie for like a total of three minutes and the rest of it is like a guy who looks kind of like him. So uh, that makes it pretty terrible because you can clearly tell when it's not the real Bruce Lee and they're just like trying to make some like squeeze the last money they could out of his body of work before he passed away. So kind of a low point for sure. And we'll be back to that next week. Before then, I uh, just want to say thank you again for listening and to uh, Between You Bruce and all of our Instagram followers. If you are not one of them yet, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions for movies and or beer, you can slide them into the DMs of our social media or send us an email at thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and as always, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, tell people because, you know. We're having a good time, and if you are too, pass that along to someone. I don't want to fucking say anyone. <laughs> it does help uh, if you can like and subscribe and to pass those on to a friend. Uh, we have a bit of a growing Instagram following, but uh, do this as a hobby and would love to have more people to hear and listen to it. And so, uh, yeah, just thanks, I guess. And I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it monthly. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It sounds a little it bit. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. She just needed a month to change his life forever.